have your Bibles with you, please open to the New Testament book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 7 today. And we're going to pick up in verse 13, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And today we're going to talk about walking the straight and narrow. Walking the straight and narrow. Now that should not be a surprise that that's what we're talking about. After all, it is Sunday at church. So, of course, we're talking about walking the straight and narrow. And even though that terminology has crept into our vernacular here in America, um, I think that many times we misunderstand what Jesus was talking about because when we think of a straight path, we tend to think of straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. I think I spelled that right. Straight as in opposed to crooked or opposed to curvy. Uh, but that's not actually what Jesus is talking about. The imagery, as I said, is taken from Matthew 7. And Jesus is nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And what he does is he tells us to take pains to enter in to, uh, through the narrow gate and then to walk the difficult path of discipleship because it's the only path that leads to life. It's a very short teaching. It's a very profound teaching. Uh, so let's just get into it. If, if you haven't found, please stand with me in honor of God's Word as we read uh, Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Thank you. May be seated. Now Jesus begins tell, by telling us that we need to beware of the broad way. Beware of the broad way. And actually, he starts out talking about entering through the narrow gate. He says, enter through the narrow gate. And the question is begged, enter what? Because if you're entering... You're entering something. So what is it that you're entering? I think the context makes it clear that he's talking about entering life. He's talking about entering the kingdom of God. And he says that, uh, that, that we must be diligent to enter through the narrow gate. Now this is laid out explicitly in, in uh, Luke chapter 13 where uh, the same, same teaching occurs. And in verse 24 of that chapter he says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. Now that word strive, in, in the Greek it means to endeavor. It means, to, uh, it means to, to contend as if you're working for a prize. In other words, you need to have your eyes open and be diligent to go through the right gate. Now understand that's not to say that we can work for our salvation in any sense. It's not to say that we earn our salvation in any shape, form, or fashion. It just means that we need to pay attention to what path we're on. We need to be diligent in that area. The same thing is implied in Matthew chapter 7 because Jesus says, enter the narrow gate, but then what does he do? He doesn't talk about the narrow gate. He talks about the broad way. And I think what he's saying is, there's a real danger in missing the boat. There's real danger in not going the right way. We need to be aware of this broad way. So what does he say about the broad way? Well, look at verse 13 again. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the, way, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. First he says, the gate is wide and the way is broad. Now I want you to picture in your mind, if, if you would, a very wide open area. Now out here we don't have too much of that. Here in, in southwest Missouri we have hills and hollers and curves, and, and we've got all sorts of things, even places where we don't need to have her, uh, curves and hills. We've got them, it seems like. But if you've ever been to some place like southern Illinois or, or Kansas, flat. I mean, it's, it's, it's real smooth. And just think of, of a plain where you can just look out and there's, there's not a hill anywhere. It's all smooth. There are all kinds of paths everywhere. 
And, and all these many paths all lead to the same place. So it doesn't really matter which path you take. It's kind of like the old saying, all roads lead where? All roads lead to Rome. And, and so all these paths out on, this, out on this smooth plain are all going to the same place. And it's, it's pretty easy going for the most part. And all along the roads, you know if you drive in a weird place, some place you've never been, it's nice to see a road sign every once in a while that says you're going the right place. And I've, I've been in those situations where I've been driving, and I knew that I had done the right thing, but all of a sudden I start to freak out. And maybe you've never done that, but all of a sudden it's like, oh man, did I, I kind of zoned out for a while. I was listening to my music. i got to think about something else. Am I in the right place? And I'll start sweating. And finally I'll see a road sign that says whatever route it is. Oh, thank goodness, I'm, I'm in the right place. All, all these paths, if you can imagine, all of them have road signs that say, you're going the right way. Life straight ahead. Just keep going. And, and it, it, it seems, you know, Jesus, it, it's appealing to think of, that's where I want to be. It's appealing to think of, of just all these roads leading to the same place, nobody telling you you have to uh, live a certain way. Uh, all roads lead to heaven, they say. It's appealing to think stuff like that. It's appealing to think, well, you know, God is, you know, God, it's appealing to not have somebody telling you not to do certain things because we like to do our own thing. But Jesus says, no, you, you better pay attention to that because the Bible says there's a way which seems, seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is what? It's death. And if we're not careful, we can get swept up in the move that direction, even as a Christian. Before too long, we'll be in, begin to uh, buy into this idea that all religions are, are just as equally true and all of them lead to the same place. They just have different names for, for God. They all lead to the same destination. We'll begin to say, you know what? The Bible really doesn't have that much authority in my life because uh, it was written so long ago by people that were... Uh, not in my culture, not in my situation, so yeah, maybe I can kind of not do this one thing that the Bible says. We begin to think it doesn't matter what people do or what they believe, how they live, so long as they're sincere. But Jesus says, no. He says, you have a responsibility to enter through the narrow gate and stay off the broad way. Now, why is that? Because it's easy to get swept up. It's easy it's much easier when you don't have somebody saying you need to live a certain way. Nobody talking about sin. That's easy going. The problem is, verse 13, look at the end of it. It says, but broad is the way that leads to destruction. This does not speak of destruction in this life. And no doubt we can all think of people who have gone their own way. They've walked their own path on the broad way. And, and they've, made, they, they've ruined their lives. They brought shame on themselves. They brought shame on their families. They've really destroyed their lives. And it's easy to think of some of those people, but some people are successful. Some people are making it in this life. Jesus isn't talking about in this life. He's talking about the afterlife. He's talking about hell. Now, contrary to popular sentiments here in America, Jesus says there is a right way and a wrong way to live. I, did, I, I tried to find the latest stats that I could, and I actually found some published in October of this year, on October 28th, so just a couple weeks ago, by Lifeway Research, they put out a poll, and according to them, it said 67% of Americans believe that heaven is a real place. So realize that over 30% of the American population 
doesn't even believe in heaven. Okay, so less than 70% of Americans even believe that it's real. How do you get there? According to the research, 45% of Americans believe there are many ways to heaven. Only 53% say that salvation, uh, 53% say salvation is in Christ alone. So that means if you talk to five pe- there are ten people at your work, half of them believe that you can get to heaven some other way besides Jesus. Half of them. Thirty percent, according to this research, say that people will have a chance to follow God after they die. Now think about that. Thirty percent of the people in America, according to this poll, believe that you are somehow going to be able to follow God after you die. That is not biblical. And numbers like that reflect what Jesus said. Many will enter destruction because they're on the broad way. And again, that's one reason why we must be diligent to enter the narrow gate. Because there are so many people going the other direction. It's tough when you're the only one going the other way, isn't it? It's tough when you're the only one in your family who's a believer. It's tough when you're the only one at at work who tries to live like a Christian. It's certainly easier to go with the flow. And Jesus said that instead of doing that, look at verse 14, we need to walk the difficult path of discipleship. He says, For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So if the broad gate leads to destruction, where do we find life? And Jesus says, The narrow gate. Now, if Jesus were here speaking today, well, not here in New Hope, but I just mean here in America, speaking today, a lot of people would accuse him of the quote-unquote sin of being too narrow. They would say, oh, Jesus, you're being so narrow. How can you say there's only one way to God? And you know what? If you say something like that at work or out in public, you're going to be called all kinds of names, narrow, a bigot, all sorts of things. Here's how narrow Jesus is. He says there's only one way to God, and that's him. In John 14, he said, I am the way. He didn't say I'm a way. I'm one of many. He said I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9, he said, so it says, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, I think he just said, Enter the narrow gate. I am the door. Then in verse 9, just so you don't miss it, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, people, a lot of times they get it wrong because they say, Oh, God is being so narrow. He says, There's only one way to God. Jesus says there's only one way. You have to come through Him. That's so narrow. That's wrong. Blah, 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 blah. But you know what? They've got their focus wrong. They shouldn't be saying, How wrong is God? How narrow is God? He's he's made one way. They should say, Thank God that there is a way. Because God didn't have to make a way. But entering through this gate, experiencing salvation through Christ alone, that's not the end. He says, Enter through the gate. Come to Christ for salvation. That's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's very simple, but it's difficult because it fights our pride. Because we want to think that we have earned it somehow, that we deserve to go to heaven. But getting saved is not the end, it's the beginning. Because Jesus says, enter uh, through the small gate, it's narrow, uh, but then he talks about the way that you're to walk after that. He's talking about discipleship. Now, my Bible translates that as narrow. But if you have the King James or, or maybe some of the other translations... It uses the word straight. 
And there are two different words that are straight. One of them is S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. That means not curvy. One is S-T-R-A-I-T. That means narrow. And that's the word that is used here. And many times we just read it and we think straight as in not curvy. But if you walk the Christian path for a while, you know there are lots of curves, lots of hills, lots of valleys. No, it's straight. It, it, it means it, we, we talk of somebody being in dire straits. What are we talking about? They're having some difficulties. Things are close. And, and on this Christian walk, there are troubles, there are obstacles. And in fact, the wording that Jesus uses in verse 14 in, in the Greek is closely associated with persecution. So what Jesus is saying here is if you want to enter life, if you want to go to heaven, you can't rely on yourself. You can't rely on your pastor's relationship with God. You can't rely on your family's relationship with God. Uh, you can't rely on your friend's relationship with God. It must be you. You have to enter in through the narrow gate. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't just do what everybody else is doing. So you have to come to Christ alone for salvation. But then, as a believer, you're supposed to follow Him. And many times in, in Baptist churches, we dip them and drop them. We baptize them and then we don't follow up with them. People don't follow Christ. I, I've baptized people and, and have never seen them again. There are people that I've baptized in that baptistry over there. I've never seen them after I after I put them under the water. Never. Listen, we have to follow Him. And when we follow Christ, that doesn't mean it's all going to be sunshine and roses. There's going to be difficulty. There are going to be obstacles. Last week we talked about the golden rule. Buddy, that's tough. Treat people the way you want to be treated? You say, oh, well, Pastor, everybody can do that. No, it's it's pretty tough. It kind of chafes at a person whenever it's your enemy you're supposed to do it to. Loving your enemy is difficult. You ever had somebody treat you badly? Jesus said pray for them. And not pray that God would smite them, just pray for them. Jesus said deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That's tough. That's difficult. The way of Christ grates against the desires of our flesh. And it may even lead to persecution. But Jesus says, it's worth it. It's the only way that leads to life. It's really you have a choice. You can go for the temporal easiness and end up in hell. Or you can go with a tougher way that ends up in eternal life. Ends up in heaven. We have a choice to make. Now, that doesn't really sound like a very good advertisement for Christianity, does it? But that's the truth. That's what Jesus prepared his followers for. Now, if you listen to a lot of preaching today, turn on the radio, turn on the TV, here's what you'll hear. If you'll just follow Christ, he'll, he'll help your marriage. He'll fix it. He'll fix your finances. He'll make your kids be good. He'll bring them back if they're off in the far country. He'll do all these things. And he may do all of those things, or many of them, but as you read through the Bible, it's amazing that Jesus never says that stuff. When he says, come follow me, he doesn't say, come follow me and I'll fix your life. And if people say, I'll follow you, Jesus doesn't say, wonderful, now you're, here's, here's a sign-on bonus. Let me just sign a check for you. He doesn't do that. In fact, listen to what he says in, in Luke chapter 9. There are three uh, accounts of people either coming to Jesus to follow him or him calling them to follow him, one right after the other. Listen to what he says in, in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Stop right there. Now, Jesus, you would think, would say, wonderful. Come on and get in my group. It's going to be great, guys. That's what we'd expect. But what does Jesus say? Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's he saying? There's going to be some uncertainty. You follow me. There are going to be some times maybe you're going to have to do without some things. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. Now realize, they didn't have embalming like we have today. They were in the desert. So if somebody died, uh, you got them in the ground pretty fast. And so it's very unlikely that his father was dead. And he said, you know what? I'm going to let my father puke while I go talk to Jesus. No, most likely his dad's still alive. Maybe he's ill. Maybe he's not. But he says, you know what? Uh, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I want to do some other things first. And Jesus says what? Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another said, also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, permit me to say goodbye to those at home. We would say that's reasonable. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, No one after putting his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. That's tough. You're probably not going to get too many people to follow you if you're talking like that. But the ones that you're going to get are the ones who are, are serious about it. And listen, we face, those, we face the same things in, in our life as everybody else does, but on top of that, we're going against the world, the flesh, and the devil, all those things trying to derail us in our walk with Christ. And on top of that, we've got all these people who are going the opposite way of us, and we're trying to go against the flow. And on top of all that, it's a solitary path. Look at verse 14 at the end. And there are few who find it. There aren't many people on the road with us. But Jesus says, it's tough. That's the way that leads to life. And I want to encourage you in this area because this world is getting in a bad shape. It's, it's already in bad shape. It's been in bad shape. And it, it seems like our culture is drifting away and sometimes running away from God, from what He wants. And it's easy to think, oh, well, there's all this stuff going off uh, out in New York, out in California. That's a long ways away. You guys have heard about some of that stuff going on in Springfield with the sexual orientation stuff, I assume. If not, they've passed some ordinances where, um, you know, men, transgender people, men can go to a women's bathroom, women go into men's bathroom. You know what? I have a daughter. I don't want some guy going in the bathroom with her. There are all these all these things where, where Christians are going to end up being uh, penalized for being Christians. That's in Springfield. It's not going to be too long for it's out here. And sometimes it feels like we are islands in a sea of immorality. And it feels like we're all alone. But I want to encourage you to stand firm. You stand up for what's right. If you don't do it, who is? You can't wait for somebody else. Don't waver. You, you put your feet down. You put your, your roots down. And don't give in. Jesus told us, you expect it. It's going to be tough. So gird up your loins. In other words, prepare yourself. And maybe that means when you're at work, you're the only believer. You be a believer there. You be the best whatever job you have. You be the best that one you can be. That means in your family, 
Nobody likes to have, have somebody beat them over the head with a, a Bible. Somebody once said that the Bible makes a lot better sword than a club, and I thought that was good advice. You don't have to beat anybody over the head with your faith, but you don't have to back down either. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Another thing that stands out to me from this is, is we better make sure we're on the right road, all of us. Because we might be going the right direction, and then for too long we've made a U-turn, we're going the wrong way. And we end up, oof, no telling where. If you're going along, going along like everybody else, you need to, need to make an evaluation of what's happening in your heart. Even if you think you're a Christian, the Bible says, make sure you're really in the faith. Make sure. You say, I'm kind of scared to. Why? If you're really a Christian, then you got nothing to worry about. And if you're not a Christian, you need to do it because you want to go to heaven, don't you? I mean, that just makes sense. Maybe And, and maybe here in a little bit we, we're going to have time of prayer. And I would encourage you to do these things today. And maybe in that time you say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm confident. I'm a Christian. I'm on the right way. I'm going against the flow. Pray for God's help to stand in the evil day. Because we need the help. Pray for that person who's, who's not a believer. Pray for them. Pray that God would save them. Maybe as, as you evaluate your own heart, you realize, you know what? I'm not a Christian. Today's the day to fix that. Today is the day of salvation. Ask God for His forgiveness for your sins. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just in the quietness of this time, I want you to, to honestly look at your life and consider which path you're on. Are you on the broad way? Or are you on the narrow way? Sometimes we swerve between the two, don't we? One day we'll make the right choices. Then we end up getting derailed. We'll end up going the wrong way. Then we swerve back over to the right side and then back and forth and back and forth. I think Paul experienced some of that same idea. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And we can all identify with that. If you're going the wrong direction, make a U-turn. The biblical word for that is repent. 